say anything that you like don't you know believe in or like or like you know believe in like comedically which is I guess different than like believing in it for yourself I mean I think like in general people do the best like comedy about stuff that they're like passionate about what like I don't think that um, most people like actually like want to be like famous in a large way Comedians Exposed, a podcast where comedians talk about vulnerability with your host, Deanna Kobe. Welcome to Comedians Exposed. Our guest is a New York City-based comedian, producer of the Glass House Comedy Events. She is a web series, Love at First Skype. She's a recent viral sensation and an absolute darling. Please help me welcome Rebecca Kaplan today to Comedians Exposed. Welcome, Rebecca. Thanks. Oh, well, I think um, it's probably a little too strong to call me a viral sensation. I had like a single tweet that got more likes than average, but... No, I'm going to call you a viral sensation as someone who does not understand Twitter at all. I so desperately want to understand it. So I I feel like the corniest person in the room in on Twitter, like you have to be so quick and so sharp. And, you know, can you talk about your tweet? I loved it. I think it completely resonated with me. So would you share it? Sure. I think it was, sorry, can we reschedule tonight? Uh, I know this is totally last minute, but I forgot that I am wildly depressed and I have no intention of actually meeting tonight. (laughs) Um, I don't know. I was like on um, Tinder for like a little bit just because I felt like I should be. And I was like, what am I doing here? Like, I don't, I have like literally no intention of like meeting someone right now. You know, like it's a pandemic. I felt like when I read that tweet though, it literally like was like like a hundred percent. Like I feel like it's like when you're single, you everyone's like you're supposed to be dating, and then it's like meet people, and you're like I don't want to meet you, and you summed it up so perfectly. Yeah, it's like pretty weird. I'm not like doing bad. Like I'm not like in a bad place. Like my like life is in a lot of ways. My life is like sort of in shambles right now, and I think you can't like go on a date in, if you haven't like changed your bed sheets in like five months. You have to like get to a base level of like cleanliness and organization. A lot of people actually go out in the world of dating so they could have someone to pull them out of their deep, dark hole of depression or have someone change the sheets for them. No, yeah, I think you've definitely got to pull yourself out before you like when like it's not it's not fun like dating somebody that's like wildly depressed you know I think like we're all like kind of responsible for our own mental health at least we should be it's been hard though especially now and I know you just said too like your life has has been in shambles I feel like for you know everybody yeah everybody our lives are in shambles in so many different ways what has been really hard for you Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't say like my life's like not like in shambles. Like, yeah, my life is in shambles, like relative to like how well I was doing like last year, like let's say. But I mean, you know, I've actually like sort of been like, I guess like in a weird way, like working like on some of my like mental health issues, like very like directly through comedy. I'm currently living in my uh, childhood bedroom just to save 
money on rent because it's a pandemic. I'm like intensely like sentimental about like objects. I'm definitely not like at like the DSM level of like a hoarder, but you know, I might like have more of like an unhealthy attachment to stuff than like the average person. I literally still have a toothbrush that I used when I was like five or six and I will not throw that away. Maybe like one day. Brush is it some like a special toothbrush? Yeah, that's a great question. So like I actually started reading this book about hoarding by Robin Zazio, who uh, is one of like the consultants on like the TV show Hoarders. And she says that like one of the things that like distinguishes like like one of like the things that hoarders do is that they like attach human feelings to like objects. Personally, I don't know if like that's like a bad thing like per se, because like I think you know, it seems like boring to like not do that. I don't know. Like, yeah, it's just like I have a lot of like strong feelings about the toothbrush. It's not like a particular design or like anything. I didn't know if it was like a Ninja Turtle or something. What's your astrological sign? Sagittarius. Oh, really? Interesting. Do you ever talk about it on stage in comedy? So I started doing like turning it into kind of like a show like that I'm doing um, streaming online. I was doing it on um, Instagram live and then I like kind of turned it um into a game show on YouTube live I get like one or uh two guests on and like I show them like objects and I like ask them to help me uh decide if I should like keep it or like throw it away or like what I should do with it how has that been for you it's definitely like gotten me to like dig out some areas that I've been like dreading going through because like no I haven't like you know, before I like moved back in, I hadn't like really like been in my my childhood bedroom for like a while to like actually like dig through stuff. And uh, at some point in my life, I'm going to have to really downsize the amount of stuff that I like keep. And I don't know, like, I don't know if I need to do it now, but where can we find you on social media? Um, can you tell everybody where we could find you? Sure. I'm at Rebecca T. Kaplan on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. So that's like Rebecca, as in Rebecca of Sunnybrook, Sunnybrook Farms, and then the letter T, and then Kaplan, like the SAT prep company. Oh, SAT preparation. And so let's go back to Twitter too, because Social media, like, again, I feel, I I don't understand it. Like, every single um, different media has such, like, a nuance that you have to understand. So, with Twitter, what's your thoughts on Twitter? You know, it's like a joke writing. Do you feel it helps you as a joke writer? Do you enjoy it as a comedian, as a platform? I mean, I think, like, Twitter, like, succeeding on Twitter is, like, kind of a huge amount of work. If you're, like, not somebody that came into it with an audience, I don't know if I would have gotten to where I am on Twitter right now um, if if we weren't like in a pandemic. Yeah, I was basically just like, you know, kind of like mostly unemployed and just like literally like trapped in my apartment. And I was like, uh, what's like, what would be a mildly productive use of my time? And I was like, I know I'll just churn away at Twitter into like like get some kind of following i have like a background in like social media marketing you know i like knew like what you what are the things are that you like should do to grow a social media account but it's like in it's like intensely like dull and like tedious can't keep up with twitter with just again the amount of quickness i feel like people have 
you know, it definitely makes me feel like when you're a kid and someone made a joke about you and you don't come up with a comeback till like 10 minutes later. And at that point, everyone's moved on. Like, that's how I feel I operate in the Twitterverse. So, and I read your article about the funny things that happen after the tweet went viral. How, again, just all these weird connections kind of like happen. Yeah, thank you for uh, for reading that. Yeah, I mean, I, again, I, I did, it was like, it went viral on like a very like small scale, but it's, it's cool. Like I, I think like getting like a single viral tweet is like relatively easier than like going viral for like something else. So it's like a nice, it's like a little taste of like what fame like could be maybe, I don't know, mm-hmm. but yeah, like um, pursue fame. No, um, ab- yeah, absolutely not. Like, I don't, I don't want to be famous, but like, I don't think that um, most people like actually like want to be like famous in a large way, you know, like to have like paparazzi like stalk you or something. I'm also like, I mean, I'm more, I'm more of a writer than like a performer or like whatever. And like writers like don't get famous <laughs> or like they can, but it's like in very like hard. I just want to get to a point where like maybe I could get like a writing job or something. What do you like to write? Yeah. I mean like right at this exact moment, I have like such um pandemic ADHD that I'm like not writing anything that's longer than about a minute. <laughs> but um I have I have some like ideas for like uh screenplays and pilots and stuff. Working on a novel and like I'd like to do maybe like a collection of, you know, comedic essays. Do you find it super impressive? Like, cause you're like, oh, you're not working on things longer than a minute, but watching people on social media, like particularly TikTok, how many people produce so much content, even though it's funny little short videos, but I'm like, how much work goes into it? Are you active on TikTok? Like one of my friends, Ariel Dundas, just like had a viral TikTok or like, you know, it went like pretty big or, and she had like another one. And I was like, I guess I should like be doing this too. Cause it seems like fun to get like sort of like in on the more ground floor. So yeah, I just started, you know, trying to like uh, just upload like one TikTok a day. Social media is such a unique way of connecting with people is this completely other form of comedic expression and it takes a lot of you know it's it's a hard skill set but it's it's fun and it's a fun nut to crack so it sounds like you're really cracking the nuts well i'm basically just copying uh what freddie g does he's been going like viral on tiktok just by like literally doing like a single line of stand-up and like he just like points the camera at his face and like says it i've been putting off trying it for a while but i was just i'll just do like one of these a day for like a week and just see like what happens and it's been uh it's been like going well i think i don't want to like jinx like i feel like i'm i'm like suspicious and scared of tiktok i get nervous and maybe I'm crazy for saying this with TikTok because it's like all these social media companies, they're all like, especially too, like TikTok had like connections in China and you're like, you know, you hear all those rumors like, are they stealing my face and my identity and my irises? And then like to go running down that rabbit hole and then it's just kind of like, oh, you got to reel yourself back in. You're like, now you sound crazy. I think TikTok is definitely stealing our faces, but I also think that like, the U.S. government and, like, Facebook are doing that, too. From where I'm sitting, 
I don't know if it's like that bad if China has my face. <laughs> I know it's crazy, huh? How are yeah. If you could escape to another country, where do you think you would want to escape to? Um, well, I mean, all of the countries that I like would probably want to are kind of like off limits right now to Americans. But uh, maybe, um, maybe like the UK when it's like safer to travel. What What about you? Antarctica. I don't want to engage anymore. I don't know what's happening. Yesterday was insanity. Some people have lost their damn minds. And yep. it's like, why? You know what I mean? Like we have so much people like you don't need more. It's interesting too, especially like how we kind of were talking about how like, you know, you have stuff and you like value this stuff. It's like almost like, but to what cost? And it's almost like, I feel like some people, we do that here. Like, what are we holding on to at what cost? Yeah, I know it's, um, it's pretty crazy. I don't know. I don't feel like well-informed enough to like comment on what happened yesterday. Um, or like, you know, I was like, like working basically all day, like while the things like happen, you know, from like about 2 p.m. to like, 10 p.m. So I like didn't follow it all in like real time. And then I, I was like, I don't know, just like too exhausted to like catch up. And now it's like today. And I feel like the news cycle just happens so quickly. It's like I'm never going to catch up. No, and that's why I'm impressed with even like the fact that you could say that you've been doing a TikTok a day. Like I feel like the everything that's going on with the news cycle, with the world we're living in is so it just happens so quickly. It becomes for me really draining. I know I have a really hard time of being creative when I feel drained. What about you? Where do you find your most creative times? I do like morning pages. I I just like write down ideas whenever they come to me. And then I've been trying to like force myself to complete them even if I'm tired. I think it's sort of like in pandemic land, it's sort of hard to like not be tired all the time. And I I mean, I don't know, like right now I'm like sort of struggling to like uh, pace myself with like all of the creative projects that I like sort of started. Do you feel there's an emotion like where you're most, like for me, like when I'm angry, like I feel like that's the most fun jokes I've had have been jokes written when I've been angry. What about for you? Where do you feel like which emotion stirs your most creative output? Hmm, I don't know if I like would categorize that like similarly, but I think like I mean, I think, like, in general, people do the best, like, comedy about stuff that they're, like, passionate about, whether that's, like, anger or, like, joy or, like, whatever. You know, I think, like, part of, I mean, specifically, like, my comedy, a lot of it is sort of, like, passion like list or, like, passionately, like, delivered. I mean, I don't know. I write, like, a lot of stuff about, like, feminism, but then... I feel like some of it is like too angry to like be like good comedy. Like, you know, like I um I think like sometimes it's like possible to be like too angry to like make to write like good jokes about stuff. Yeah, sometimes it just comes across as anger. Do you ever do that on stage though? Do you ever just kind of like embrace that and just say, you know what? Sorry, people, you're not getting jokes today. You're gonna get my anger. I like was playing around with like not 
um, with like doing sets that like were less like structured like jokes and more structured like me like informing people of like sort of like ridiculous topics that I like actually uh, care about but I feel like it wasn't going as well as like doing like jokes stuff you know either I'm like not there yet or like something what were some of the jokes or what were some of the topics that you were talking about you know like people making porn um pornography of like uh women that like didn't weren't aware that they were being filmed um like I think like that's really uh awful websites like Pornhub I mean I think like they did just like finally like they finally like started cracking down on this but for a really long time they were uh just letting like literally anyone upload um anything to their site so there was like a lot of um you know trafficked women on there underage children that were being like abused and just like horrible stuff and like that's something that I like feel like intensely like angry about but like again like that's <laughs> very much like not funny and not something that like people want to hear about even though it's the topic itself like isn't it there's a draw to trying to make it funny you know you're getting you're doing two things you know you're you're sharing something really important and then you're giving them the ability to take that information and because then they have a laugh to make it you know palatable oh yeah totally like yeah that's sort of like why I was like trying to work on that but it may like work in like 50 percent of like crowds but it depends on like I mean it's hard to like know what like makes people you know like there's a lot of stuff that like might make people laugh um sometimes but not like every like single time I know there's like so many variables I think um and you know what's weird with porn I don't understand because it's so widespread. It's so prevalent, you know, like how many freaking categories there are, like literally how accessible it is. But I feel it's still a topic that's so taboo to make jokes about, you know, and it's like, I don't, I don't understand it. It's like pervasive in our culture, but we're not going to like allow people to, because again, you get immediately classified as, you know, that's not clean comedy. And it's just, I find that so ironic, you know, like how kids now have access to the internet and one misspelled word and they're looking at, you know, tons of dick pics. And we, you know, as comedians are, you know, really kind of confound by what we can talk about sometimes. What do you feel is the hardest topics to joke about? Stuff that like is sensitive to like you specifically. I don't think there's like any absolute um, answers for like anything. So you like all, anything could be joked about, right? You know, because like, again, I like how you said it and it's not personal to you. Like if it's not a trigger for you. What was it? I wanted to ask you too about your show that you have. Love it first yeah definitely not like recreating actual um things they're all pretty like pretty ridiculous yeah I just get people to come on and like come in with like maybe a loose idea of what they're going to do or like uh or just like no idea and then we'll, we'll just like have the conversation you know I like I usually like record about 40 minutes and then I like edit out like the best uh parts of it into like a tight a fluid conversation. I wanted to ask you too about this idea though of doing comedy and being engaged in all these different like experiences and thinking like 
Do you feel that who you are and how you deliver jokes impacts what you can and can't talk about? Uh, yeah, totally. Like, like in March, um, I like did a roast battle against like this uh, Jewish kid who is has like a similar demeanor to me, except he is like a man, you know, a tall, a big, a tall, like taller, bigger person than me, and a man, and he got like a significantly like more negative like um reaction from the audience, probably like you know partially like because like you know. Of just like it reads it reads differently like a man um sort of like attacking a woman than like a meek innocent like looking person you know like attacking a man i mean like i think also like just because you can like get away with saying something doesn't mean like you know like you shouldn't say anything that you like don't you know believe in or like or like you know believe in like comedically which is i guess different than like believing in it for yourself Do you think, though, that through time of doing comedy, like the longer you do it and letting yourself grow and evolve, do you think your comedy would change, like in terms of like where your threshold was in terms of where it is? Sure. I mean, like, you know, we're all uh, changing Mm -hmm. like over the over time and stuff. So what do you think then in terms of Cause it's hard. It's really hard to do comedy. Cause like, you know, we did talk about again, like things that are really, you know, like you said, like you could make jokes about things that are really personal triggers for you or like maybe a topic that triggers somebody else. It's really hard to work on those jokes though, without sometimes saying things that are awful. So part of the whole podcast is like, it's focused on this idea of we put ourselves out there as comedians, we're vulnerable, right? Because we're going to say some things sometimes that are not the joke, but they're working towards what we want the joke to be. Particularly what I wanted to focus on though right now is defining vulnerability and like showing how I feel like a lot of times being vulnerable, there's a lot of shame with being vulnerable. You know, if you do something that leaves you exposed, you feel shameful of it. Do you have any experiences in comedy that left you feeling ashamed or even if someone, not even you yourself, like thing that you witnessed, like for someone else, you know, that kind of was like, I don't want that. Yeah. I mean, I think like, that's like what the purpose of like open mics are um, like for like theoretically, like you should be able to like use it um, as a space to like try stuff out and like get feedback from people who are like your peers and who like understand that like you like don't um maybe like aren't intending to be like offensive or like you know I think it I think like that's uh valuable to like uh unlike social media I'm like way way more cautious about like what I would say than like something that's like on a stage and I'm assuming um isn't being recorded because like there are things that like you know, I might like say, I might like say something on stage that like, or like is a joke about something that's like a little bit uh, sensitive of a topic. But like, I understand that like the people looking at me can like hear my tone of voice and like they understand that it's like a comedy thing or like maybe I said something like before it that like put it into like context. But like on a recording, um, it's really easy to like cut out the context and like the nuance and like the tone of voice. Um, and like have it be seen by like strangers who like don't know what you're talking about. Especially because things change over time and society evolves collectively, not just individuals. Right. So totally. 
yeah, it's, it's a lot going on, a lot of different parts. And sometimes too, I feel open mics. I don't know if this is true for your experience, but for me, open mics sometimes are not great gauges of what an audience like you know open like something might hit that's really dark or kind of perverse and then you're like okay let me try this and then it's like oh it's not working so do you think has that been your experience yeah for sure I mean I think like um I think like open mics can like tend to push things that are like maybe more shock value than like you know sort of like like, oh, let me tell you like a funny story about my sweet little poodle, you know, um, and like they do, do tend to be like more like overrun by like white men who like, like, you know, aren't like a general audience. But I think you need to do like a combination of like uh, seeking out like spaces where um, there are like groups of people that like are more like aligned with your values or like whatever, or just like learning how to interpret um, like open mic feedback for like what it is, which like, you know, I think, I think like open mics aren't like a great gauge of like how funny something is, but they are good at for like, you know, getting feedback about what you like absolutely shouldn't say on stage. Like sometimes they're like, you know, and they're good for like, you know, I think like gaining confidence performing when like nobody is laughing at you. Like there's also value to like, you know, if you like live in an area where there aren't, isn't like a supportive open mic crowd, like maybe like, you know, then maybe you like put together a writing room with your like friends or something. Well, can you do me a favor too? Just one more time, let everybody know where we can find you again on social media. Sure. Um, at Rebecca T. Kaplan on like Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. It's been so awesome talking with you today. I really appreciate you taking time out to sit down and let me ask you some questions. Uh, yeah, thanks so much for having me on. Yeah, but before we wrap up, I just wanted to ask one last question. I know you had talked about, you know, your show, you called it how um, Glass Houses. Yep. And I feel like, you know, today we're kind of, I, I I was curious as to why you chose to name your comedy show that. I had been doing it on Instagram Live, like just without a name, just like this is my nameless comedy thing that I'm doing. And then um, some people I know, like Kristen Seltman and like Jess Rotundi had uh, somebody like expose themselves to them on their zoom show and i was like okay um i think my i'm gonna name my show uh glass houses comedy and the tagline is uh people who live in glass houses should always wear pants (laughs) (laughs) i mean I, i i was sort of thinking like you know the laptop is sort of like a glass house that we're all like living in right now and yeah and wear pants wear pants if you're going to a show well I love that I think that's interesting and yeah just again you think about this idea living in glass houses and not throwing stones I'm like that's a really good like mantra I feel like to kind of like take in like all right everybody let's just take a step back from what's going on and just like sit with yourself and you know, be quiet. Yeah, totally. Well, Rebecca, um, again, it's been really great talking with you. I really appreciate you taking your time uh, to talk with us. And I hope, again, everybody looks for you on social media and, you know, can't wait to see you 
on Instagram Live soon. Cool. Yeah, um, yeah, uh, yeah, thanks so much for having me on, and I'll talk to you soon. <laughs>